Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the reading of the September edition of the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. Before we get to the paper copy of the Crestone Eagle, we go to the website for breaking news from the Crestone Eagle. Town budget audit now due by end of month. This is written by Matt Litt, Managing Editor. September 11th has come and gone, and the promise of an audit presentation by the town's certified public accountant did not occur. While there was discussion with the CPA, it happened much later in the meeting and revolved around the topic of creating an audit for the 2022 budget, not a completed audit. That goal, still unrealized as yet, would provide the town with a solid set of numbers upon which to base its promised amended 2023 budget. The accountant preparing the audit is Lenny Merriam, CPA, CFE, PLLC, based out of Canyon City, Colorado. According to Scott Erisman, interim town administrator, there may have been a misunderstanding as to what the presentation would be. He added that the audit is now due September 30th and said the CPA committed that he's going to have the 2022 audit audit ready for us by the end of the month. There is a special meeting scheduled to approve the audit September 27th. That audit is expected to provide an accurate starting balance to base an amended 2023 budget on. When he audits 2022, there will be no more need to discuss the accuracy of the starting balances for 2023, Erisman added. Additionally, a draft of the 2024 town budget is due on October 15th. This doesn't need to be a completed budget, yet simply the beginnings of one, according to Erisman. The board did appoint a budget committee to work on a 2024 first draft to be ready by the town's next monthly regular meeting. Erisman said the committee will begin by using the best planning numbers they have and will be able to factor in the audited numbers. Town trustee Adam Kinney and newly appointed Dennis Pozluzny will head that committee. Erisman will also be on the committee in his role as interim administrator. The town would like to see community members step up and serve on this committee. At Monday's meeting, Warren Stephen, a vocal proponent for getting town budgetary and financial matters cleaned up, was asked to join. Stephen said he has not committed as yet and is still considering the invitation. For more information, contact Scott Erisman at the email address crestonetownoffice at gmail.com. And now from the September edition of the Crestone Eagle, we have this article written by Amelia Stern. SLVREC adjusts easements language after pushback from residents. Earlier this summer, San Luis Valley Rural Electric Cooperative, SLVREC, installed underground power lines that deviated from their road right-of-way and onto private property, affecting seven households along a 15-mile stretch of Wagon Wheel Road in the Baca. One resident, choosing to stay anonymous, has been fighting against the company's new right-of-way easement, which would extend their access to a strip of land up to 15 feet in width on either side of the power line, extending where necessary. The easement's loose language didn't feel right to the resident, not to mention the fact that it feels like a violation because, again, dig first, ask later, and you're sort of backed into a corner, she said. 
After hiring an attorney who rewrote the easement, the resident was willing to sign only after SLVREC covered her lawyer's fees and provided a detailed map with clarification on the new easement. The new agreement the new agreement removed all of the language that was not aligned with our community bylaws, such as certain types of equipment being erected. It tightened up the loose language regarding land boundary lines, and it referenced the official surveyed map as an exhibit, she said. It also included a signature for their chief operating officer, Sean E. McKibben. At first, the lawyers said they would sign the revised agreement that my attorney drafted only if I expedited the signing, she said. My attorney replied that the timeline was in their hands since they still hadn't gotten me the promised survey map. After a couple weeks, SLVREC sent the detailed survey map to the resident's attorney. As the resident waited to hear from SLVREC, she began corresponding and openly sharing information with another affected neighbor who also contacted SLVREC to request the same updated agreement as her. They contacted us both the next day to set up dates for signatures, she said. For the resident, her months-long battle is finally over. They reimbursed all my attorney fees. They also said they would not be using the same contractor to complete their future plans for this project, she said. But her main concern all along, she said, was maintaining the integrity of this community and protecting the land. And we have some upcoming event news. This written by Katie Kelly. Inaugural SLV powwow set in Monte Vista. The inaugural San Luis Valley Intertribal Powwow will take place September 22nd to the 24th at the Outkelt Event Center Ski High Complex in Monte Vista. This is a wonderful opportunity for the entire SLV community to experience and learn about indigenous culture. Master of Ceremonies will be Whitney Rancontour of the Founders of Social Distance Powwow on Facebook. Whitney has served as MC at several powwows across the country. The host drum group is Colorado Crew, and the arena director is Dano Clark. This is an intertribal competition powwow and will include dancers from all over. Among the dances, fancy dance, traditional, grass, chicken, shawl, jingle, and tiny tots. The powwow starts at 2 p.m. Friday, September 22nd. On Saturday and Sunday, September 23rd and 24th, doors open at 10 a.m. Indigenous artists and food vendors will be set up during the powwow for the community to enjoy. A grand entry takes place at 6 p.m. on Friday evening, at noon and again at 6 p.m. on Saturday, and Sunday's grand entry will be at noon. A community feast open to everyone is set for Saturday at 5 p.m. prior to the second grand entry of the day. Winners of both dance and drum contests will be announced on Sunday. Competition winners will receive monetary prizes. This is a family-friendly event, and everyone is invited. Entry fee is $5, kids under 10 are free, and veterans and elders, 65 and older, are $2. The San Luis Valley Intertribal Powwow is being hosted by Douglas Crow-Wolf, Cultural Activity Director of the Mystic Valley Art Council. If you are interested in helping volunteer for the powwow, please contact Douglas at 719-859-2656 or email him at crowwolf69 at gmail.com. 
A big thank you to the LOR Foundation for sponsoring the grant funding for this cultural event. And we have another event coming up. This article is written by Matt Litt. Carol English to speak and guide at CONPS annual conference. Carol English will be one of the kickoff speakers at the Colorado Native Plant Society, CONPS, annual conference this year. The conference, Flora of the San Luis Valley, History, Culture, and Science, is at Adams State University in Alamosa, September 23rd and 24th. English, known to the Crestone area as a columnist for the Crestone Eagle, will speak on the topic of Flora of the San Luis Valley, along with Dr. Matt Sharples during Saturday's presentations. On Sunday, she will lead a botany hike with the San Luis Valley chapter. I'll be talking about a place called La Botica, near the Lajara Reservoir in the San Luis Valley. La Botica is and was a place the Ute people go to collect plants for many different uses. My talk will be focused on which native plants occur at La Botica, she said. The conference schedule is Flora of the San Luis Valley, Carol English, and Dr. Matt Sharples, Ethnobotany in the San Luis Valley with Dr. Christy Duran, the Taste of Change, How Chokecherry Jelly Sculpted My Horticultural Mindset with Alex Crochet. Possible New Species of Sunflower in Sand Dunes National Park with Peter Innes. Plant Responses to Herbivory by Elk and Bison by Dr. Kate Schoenecker. USFSC Collection and Other News from CoNPS with Dr. Maggie Gaddis. Plants and Plant Use of Navajo Nation with Arnold Clifford. Native plants will also be for sale at the conference. And there are Sunday field trips. Botany Hike with SLV Chapter with Carol English. Tour the Adams State Herbarium with Dr. Mark, Matt Sharples. Hike the Sand Dunes to find endemic sunflowers with Peter Innes. Collect seeds with the USFS with Maggie Gaddis and Rachel Hosna. Indigenous Uses of Native Plants Demonstration with Arnold Clifford, and Riparian Stem Collection for Native Plant Propagation with Alex Crochet. More of the information is available online at www.conps.org slash home dash two slash events slash event dash calendar dash two. And from there, look for the conference. And in Swatch County news, we have clips from the clerk, written by Trish Gilbert, Swatch County clerk and recorder. Title in the name of a trust. An application for a Colorado title under a trust agreement requires, including out-of-state trusts, DR-2170 trustee statement for certificate of title. The title must be issued in the name of the trust exactly as indicated on the DR-2170 form. Trustees' names cannot be shown on the title, but all trustees' names must be listed on the DR-2170 form. Only one trustee's signature is required on the DR-2170 form, and the trustee must present secure and verifiable identification. Out-of-state titles in the name of the trust being transferred require a copy of the trust document showing the trustees, and additional documents are required. Tips and notes about trusts. There are no restrictions on the name of the trust. The trust has no effect on the validity of the trust. 
trustee may give power of attorney, but the trustee must sign the DR-2170 form. County clerks may investigate or pursue any further information about the trust. This is not required as part of the title application. Dates are acceptable as part of the name if included in the actual name of the trust. A title can be issued in the name of the trust and an individual or business name as long as the individual is not a trustee, CRS 15-1-501. When the vehicle is sold and the title transferred, the trustee will sign the title as trustee. Only one trustee's signature is required. A copy of the trust document is required on Colorado titles with an acceptance. The date before December, 20, December 1, 2001. Titles in the name of a trust must uh, being transferred to a trustee will require a DR-2444 statement of fact stating they are a true trustee and have the right to, to assign the title to themselves. The trust beneficiary names should be listed in the care of area of the registration. Becoming a school board candidate. Elections. School board members are elected at regular biennial school elections, which are held on the first Tuesday in November of each odd-numbered year. Some school districts have a director district plan of representation, which means that school board members must reside in certain geographical areas. Others have an at-large or combined at-large and director district plan of representation. Most Colorado school board members are elected to four-year staggered terms. Board members may be elected to serve two consecutive four-year terms unless the board has locally extended or removed term limits. Vacancies are filled by appointment until the next election. The county clerk is primarily responsible for conducting school elections. However, school officials also have election duties. Eligibility. A candidate for the school board must be a resident of the school district and a registered voter for at least 12 consecutive months prior to the election. If the school district has director districts in its plan of representation, the person must be a resident of the director district in which he or she is a candidate. No person who has been convicted of a sexual offense against a child is eligible to serve on the school board. Because school director elections are nonpartisan, Candidates may not campaign as members of a political party. Nomination procedures. A person who desires to be a candidate for school director must file a nomination petition signed by 25 eligible electors of the school district in districts with fewer, fewer than 1,000 students or 50 eligible electors in larger districts. Your school district can provide more information about the number of signatures required on the petition. The nomination petition must be filed with the designated election official of the school district no later than 67 days before the election. The candidate would be wise to obtain extra signatures in case some of the signatures are invalidated. In most communities, nomination petitions are available at the local school district offices and must be filed at the school district. Call your school district office to find out where to pick up petitions. Campaign filing. School board candidates must meet filing requirements under Colorado's Fair Campaign Practices Act, FCPA. One of the first steps is to file a candidate's affidavit with the Secretary of State within 10 days of becoming a candidate. Also, candidates are required to report contributions and expenditures on the Secretary of State's online tracer program. 
For more information about FCPA's reporting requirements and timelines for filing these reports, please visit the Colorado Secretary of State's website at coloradosos.gov. Ballot tax, sorry, ballot tracks captures voters. Auto enrollment. August 23rd, ballot tracks automatically enrolled 219,415 voters as ballot tracks users. The auto enrollment captures voters with email addresses in their registration records who are not current ballot tracks users or former ballot tracks users who opted out of the system at some point in the past. That auto enrollment brought total active Colorado ballot tracks users over the 2 million mark for the first time. 2,064,524, to be precise. Ballot Tracks is a free service available to all active, non-confidential voters. Ballot Tracks pushes ballot status notifications to voters in message formats they may select from the time that mail ballots are sent until they are counted. Ballot Tracks provides voters increased customer service and transparency, resulting in higher mail ballot sorry, higher mail ballot voter confidence and turnout. Voters access ballot tracks by signing in at colorado.ballottracks.net or the ballot tracks landing page for the county in which they are registered. For example, sawatch.ballottracks.net. To log in, voters enter their first name, last name, date of birth, and residential zip code. Once logged into ballot tracks, Voters can change their notification methods, modify the hours between which ballot tracks will send them ballot status messages, check the current status of their mail or in-person ballot, or opt out of ballot tracks altogether. To opt out of ballot tracks entirely, voters simply need to unselect all notification methods and click Update. Voters' ballots and votes remain confidential. Ballot Tracks provides updates to voters based on score data regarding the status or stage of their mail or in-person ballots in a particular election. Score does not record, and county and state officials never know the manner in which any particular voter voted. Confidential voters cannot use Ballot Tracks. Does Ballot Tracks seller disclose registration data to third parties? No. Ballot Tracks is contractually prohibited from selling or disclosing any voter registration data or information that it receives from the Colorado Secretary of State. And for contact information, the Swatch County Clerk's phone, phone is 719-655-2512. Also, we have a Clerk and Recorder closure notice. The Swatch County Clerk and Recorder's office will be closed on Tuesday, September 26th and Wednesday, September 27th, so that staff may attend training. Normal business will resume on Thursday, September 28th. Please plan ahead. Sorry for any inconvenience this may cause. And we have some funding news. SLV Go receives funding. San Luis Valley Great Outdoors, better known as SLV Go, has received funding that will help the coalition develop and implement a regional conservation and outdoor recreation plan by supporting community outreach, research pathways, and data analysis. The funding is from the fourth round of recipients of the Outdoor Regional Partnerships Initiative. This grant is a result of a landmark executive order signed by Governor Polis creating the Outdoor Regional Partnerships Initiative. This effort charts a long-term, equitable, and sustainable vision for the future of Colorado's outdoors that is driven by bottom-up community planning.
Colorado's world-class outdoors is home to unique wildlife, natural resources, and exciting recreation opportunities. Through the Regional Partnerships Initiative, we are working across sectors and levels of government to expand and support conservation efforts to ensure our outdoors are preserved for the future. I am grateful to the 16 Regional Partnership Grant recipients working to advance this goal and protect the outdoors, said Governor Polis. The Regional Partnerships Initiative is a critical piece in Colorado Parks and Wildlife's efforts, CPW's efforts, to help build regional support for balancing recreation and conservation in Colorado. When organizations and individuals work together on behalf of public and private lands and waters, it ensures communities are healthy, livable, and prosperous for future generations, said CPW Director Jeff Davis. Governor Polis and CPW launched this initiative in 2020 with funding support from GOCO. This grant cycle doubles the amount of money invested in outdoor regional partnerships to $3 million, with another round of grant funding opening in the fall of 2023. Ensuring a future of Colorado's outdoors requires the expertise of communities across our great state who have a deep understanding of critical natural resources and recreation opportunities in the regions they call home, said GOCO Executive Director Jackie Miller. GOCO is incredibly excited for the priorities and plans that will be elevated by the Regional Partnerships Initiative, which will inform a responsive, regionally rooted, statewide strategy for the years ahead, said Jackie. With this funding round, there are now 16 regional partnerships. Grant recipients include nine coalitions based in Colorado's Front Range, Central Mountain Region, Western Slope, and Southwestern Corner. And turning to regional happenings written by Leighton, we have some upcoming events. Saturday, September 30th, starting at noon, the final community free meal of the year will be held at the Little Shepherd Church. The meal theme is fall harvest, and everyone is encouraged to bring extra abundance from their gardens to share with the community. Alternative diet options will be available, and we encourage people to bring their favorite fall dishes to share. Volunteers are needed Friday night for meal prep and Saturday morning starting at 9 a.m. to help with cooking, setup, and cleanup at the event. Please contact Leighton Burt via Facebook or email to get involved. The email is Leighton, L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N, at mountainsiderealty.com. On Saturday, September 30th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Crestone Energy Fair ongoing education series presents Solar 101. This class will cover all of the foundations of solar applications in a home. Local builders and experts will share their knowledge of how to best design a home with the natural power of the sun in mind. Topics will include how to design and service a photovoltaic system with the basics of solar panels, batteries, inverters, and charge controllers. Lunch is provided. With the purchase of this class, you will receive half off of a consultation with any of the teachers and go home with a packet of all of the information covered. The price is $200, space is limited, and there are scholarship options available. Contact Goldie to register at 303-903-0969. And in our community calendar, Wednesday, September 20th, BGWSD board meeting from 9 to 10 a.m. Friday, September 22nd, as mentioned, San Luis Valley Intertribal Powwow through September 24th, the a uh, website for more information is sanluisvalleypowwow.com. 
And on Saturday, September 30th, again, as mentioned, there will be a free meal at Fall Harvest Little Shepherd Church from noon to 3 p.m. And on Fridays, Free Food Fridays, food assistance at the Baca Library from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. On Saturdays, Crestone Saturday Market at Town Park at 10 a.m. Also on Saturdays, we have acoustic music at Crestone History Museum at 11 a.m. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us for the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.